Appreciate that song service, Carrie. Admire anybody can leave singing. It is not something that uh, that I aspire to do. All the moms out there, I hope you had a happy Mother's Day and things went well. You got the, the honor that you deserve. Um, you are uniquely qualified for the job you do. I know there were many times that, that I told Tammy I wouldn't have her job. Uh, as well behaved as our children were, they were just uh, it was just a 24-hour-a-day, uh, seven-day-a-week job. And we appreciate the job you do. Turn with you, if you will, to 1 Kings chapter 13. And uh, Frank and others have uh, addressed this, this story before, where King Jeroboam has totally corrupted the worship of God. They have addressed it in many ways and, and have done a very, very good job, but there's an aspect, brethren, that I think that we need to look at. You know, sometimes we, we read things and, and we get the gist of the story or we get one aspect of the story, but we don't really think about uh, some other things that are being said here. And an occasion happened in the class in the back a few weeks ago, and Roy, I did my homework. Um, Roy asked a question. He said, what happened to the old prophet? And I thought to myself, I said, why didn't I think of that? I never wondered what happened to the old prophet. In the end, what happened to the old prophet? But I want us to look at this story and, and realize that, that at the end of chapter 12 and chapter into chapter 13, this involves three men. And all three men made deliberate, conscious decisions to disobey God. They didn't misunderstand. They were not told something that was wrong and uh, for the most part. They knew what they were doing. They deliberately misobeyed God or disobeyed God. And this story should remind each of us that, that our actions have consequences. And our actions have consequences that affect others. And we need to understand this as we make decisions and as we present ourselves to others day to day, especially how we present the gospel to other people. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Kings chapter 12. In the closing verses of chapter 12, we see that Jeroboam has changed not only the pattern of worship, but he appointed unauthorized men as priests and changed the location and the time of worship. The King James says that he appointed men who were the, of the lowest. He got men who were not qualified to be priests and appointed them priests. And not only this, we're told that he devised these things of his own heart. Regardless of what God had said, he knew what God had said. But he devised these things of his own heart. He was self-willed. Now, there are people in authority who don't need to be there. There are people in authority who let that authority go to their heads and then they think themselves greater than they are. And they use and they abuse that authority to do things that they want to do regardless of the consequences to others. They're going to have their way. This was the case with King Jeroboam. He was an evil king. In 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 1, 
We read, and behold, there came a man of God out of Judah. I like to watch Westerns. And generally, when you're watching a Western, there is a small town and somebody from outside who's got a lot of money comes in and they take over the town. And the sheriff is not strong enough to fight this evil person who has all the money and all the authority. And then here comes this one cowboy who's not afraid of the bad guy. And this is the picture that I get when I read this story. Behold, this was a great thing. The impression I get is that this has been going on for some time. And the people accepted it as well, this is just the way it is. I watched the Sons of Katie Elder last night and John Wayne's daddy had been murdered and he was trying to figure out why and he went to the sheriff and he started asking questions. And the, quest, the, the sheriff said, uh, just let it go. Because this is just the way that things are because this bad guy had taken over the town. And John Wayne said, I'm going to find out who killed my daddy. This is the gist that I get from where the Bible tells us, behold, this is a great thing. This is an unusual thing and something that needed to be done. Behold, there came a man of God out of Judah. Why didn't God call a priest out of Bethel? There was already one there. Why not? Was there not a priest who was qualified to speak to Jeroboam? Was this priest nonchalant or, or was he comfortable where he was? Was he comfortable with the things that were going on? And perhaps he had made no attempt to speak to Jeroboam? Perhaps he liked his status in the community. He liked where he was. He had a nice home. He had influence with others. He was comfortable and he didn't want to rock the boat, didn't want to make waves, didn't want to cause problems for others and didn't want to upset the king. You know, we have men in the pulpits today who are of just this mindset. I had somebody ask me one time about a, a congregation about uh, uh, their attitude towards opposing error and things along this line said and they asked me do they preach error I said no but they won't preach against it either this was King Jeroboam he didn't oppose the error he didn't support the error but he wouldn't speak against it they had to call a priest out of Judah to speak to Jeroboam was the king too familiar with the local prophet? Did he have too much influence over this prophet that the prophet couldn't speak to him? Could he tell the prophet what he could and could not do? But this man of God who came up out of Judah told Jeroboam that he would be overthrown. Jeroboam became angry. And he reached out to grab the priest and his arm withered to the point that he could not draw it back. Now, could you imagine being a man in Jeroboam's position with all this authority? You were afraid of nobody. 
and you reached to lay hands on this priest who had said something against you and your arm just withered. It was useless. It was just there and there was not a thing you could do. His attitude changed in a breath. And he prayed to the man of God, please ask God that my arm may be restored. Which the man of God did and, and Jeroboam's arm was restored and he was so grateful that he asked the priest to come into my house and eat bread and drink water. The priest told him, no, I cannot do that. God told me not to eat nor drink anything in this house and I cannot do it. Now in this day and time, you did not refuse the king's invitation. You could be put to death. But the priest did what he said or what God told him to do. In verse 11, we're told that there's an old prophet in Bethel. As, as I read this story, I get the impression that this prophet had been there a long time. This prophet had sons who were of an age enough that they could go out on their own and they could see and they could hear and they could come back and tell their father things that were going on. They had access to the king's presence. Because as soon as the man of God had said these things to Jeroboam, they ran home to tell their father. This man had been here for some time. He was of some age that he should have known better than to do what he did. Had this old prophet made any effort to persuade Jeroboam that what he was doing was wrong? I would say no. Because when the man of God came in and tried to persuade Jeroboam, the king was going to have him killed. But yet here was this old prophet living at leisure. He had access to the king. He had access to the community. He had access to, to other dignitaries. And they never sought to harm him as far as we know. So if we understand the gist of this story, he had made no effort to upset the king. What good, brethren, what good is one who preaches the word if he does so in fear of speaking the truth? What good was this prophet? That's why they had to call a prophet out of Judah, because the one that was there was of no use. He was more interested in keeping his status than doing the will of God. Follow me down now to verses 11 and 12 in chapter 13, please, brethren. Notice the swiftness in which the old prophet's sons came and told him what had happened. It was almost immediate. They didn't have to hear things, I mean, they didn't hear things through the grapevine, which takes time. But as soon as this happened, they ran and told their father. And the man of God didn't even have time to leave town before the old prophet tracked him down. Now imagine this man of God who had been in the king's presence. And, and I can understand that he may have felt this way. He had been in the king's presence. He had done what God had told him to do. The king had tried to kill him. 
Now, if this man was not of some age and some maturity and some understanding, I'm sure that his nerves were a wreck. He had refused the king's invitation. Could you imagine the state of mind that he was in? He's trying to process all the things that had happened that day. And the old prophet found him resting under an oak tree. He didn't get very far. Because his sons, the old prophet's sons, had to have time to run home. They had to saddle the mule. The old prophet had to find out where this man of God was. And then he found him. Now, I don't know about you, brethren, but once I leave home to go somewhere, I don't like going back to forget something and have to double back, especially if it's some distance. And this man of God apparently wasn't very far from where he started because he had no problem in returning with the old prophet to eat and to drink in his home. He was not very diligent in getting out of town. Why, I don't know. We're not told. All we know is that the old prophet found him under an oak tree, and he went back and ate with him. But in this day and time, when your means of transportation was a mule, to double back some distance just to have a meal with someone was an extreme inconvenience. But there was no argument. He simply went. Brethren, this is how we come involved in sin sometimes. We follow this young prophet or, or this man of God who, who did what God told him to do. He stood firm. He did everything that God told him to do. But he did not run far and fast enough to get away from the danger that was behind him. And sin found him. Many times, brethren, we do these things. We think we're strong. We think we can resist things, and then Satan finds us. He tempts us. And this is what happened to the man of God. He was tempted with a meal. In 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 8, Peter says, To be sober, be, be vigilant, for the devil is a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. This old prophet, he was seeking. He was seeking this man of God. As we're studying Ezekiel in, uh, in the back on Sunday mornings, Frank has made several references to these, uh, these witches, I, I guess you want to refer to them as that, sorceresses, who were seeking souls. And this is what Satan is doing. He is seeking souls. And if we don't learn to avoid him, he will find us. This was the man of God's mistake. He did not run far and fast enough. Watch what happens in verse 18. The old prophet lied to him. He just flat out lied. Can you imagine what the conversation was like? He finally caught up with him. The, old, the, the man of God is resting under the tree and he introduces himself. He said, I understand what you've done. This is a great thing. Come home and have a meal with me. I too am a prophet. 
How many people have been duped by unscrupulous preachers who claim to be men of God? Now, there are people who misunderstand the word. There are people who don't entirely intend to misrepresent the gospel as they see it. But this man lied. And there's no doubt that he knew he lied. He said, and an angel spoke to me and told me that you are to return with me. What would lead this man of God who had done all these things to believe someone who said that an angel spoke to me in complete contradiction to what God had told him? He didn't run far and fast enough and Satan caught him. Verse 19 says, so the man of God went back. What an awful statement. What a terrible statement. A terrible commentary on this man who had done such a great thing, who had made the king so angry that the king wanted to kill him. But yet fell for a story like this old prophet had just told him. Verse 21, the old prophet tells, uh, or God tells the, the man of God that thou hast not kept the commandments of the Lord thy God, thy carcass shall not come to the sepulcher of thy fathers. What a sad commentary. But this man who had done such a thing, who had, who had been so bold and so brave to do what God commanded him to do, then failed to do the simplest of things. Verses 24 and 25 and 26, we see that the man of God is slain by a lion. And men passed by and didn't stop. I can understand why they wouldn't stop if there's a lion by the road. I wouldn't stop either. But I believe this illustrates the point, brethren, that when things happen to us, when catastrophes happen to us, our friends leave. Those who were once acquaintances and supporters and, and so on, they don't stop. They don't stay with us. But they pass by and they just look and they stare. I don't like people who rubberneck at car wrecks. I, I, one thing, I don't like to see the, the gore or anything like that, but uh, to me it's disrespectful. Um, why would you want to, to just gawk at somebody who's had such a horrible thing to happen to them. But this is what people do. They just look and they pass by. Had the occasion uh, several years ago when I was at FedEx that it had been very cold and rainy. It was early in the morning. I got out. McConnell, McConnell Honda was on the southern bypass. And I got, out of the ba I got some boxes out of the back of the van and uh, I closed the door with my elbow, and as soon as I did, I slipped on some ice. My feet went out from under me. I landed flat on my back, and I'm laying there trying to gather my thoughts, and I'm watching this guy drive into uh, the body shop, and he's just shaking his head, just going on. That's the way that people do. They'll just watch you, and they'll shake their head, and they'll say, what a shame. And that's the way that people were looking at this man of God who was slain by the line. 
Verse 31 says that it came to pass after he had buried him that he spake to his sons, that is the old prophet, spake to his sons, saying, When I am dead, bury me in the sepulcher wherein the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. In the end, the man uh, who lied and the man who believed the lie wound up in the same place. I believe, brethren, that this, this incident that this old prophet was involved in haunted him for the rest of his life. He knew what he had done. He had lied to this man of God. The man of God believed him, and he caused the man to lose his life. And I believe that it bothered the old prophet for the rest of his days. In the end, they wound up in the same place. They wound up in the same grave both the man who told the lie and the man who believed the lie. And this is the way it is in life, brethren. Those who lie sometimes think that they are not going to get caught. Sometimes they have remorse when they get caught like this old prophet did. Sometimes they do not. Sometimes they just deny and go about their ways. But in the end, the one who lies and the one who believes the lie end up in the same place. We need to remember that once the thing is done, it can't be undone. Once the thing, once the thing is seen, it cannot be unseen. And once the thing is heard, it cannot be unheard. There's no way that this old prophet could have undone what he did. As remorseful as he was, and as well as he tried to make things right by burying this, this man of God in his own tomb, he could not make it right. Verse 33 says that after this thing, Jeroboam returned not from his evil way. He went right back to what he was doing. And in the end, he lost his kingdom and he lost his soul. Three men... Three men who made a conscious decision to disobey God. Three men who paid the price for their decisions. I believe, brethren, that all of God's parable, all of God's stories, his illustrations, give us many, many, many lessons. And this is just one of the, the many that we can get from, from 1 Kings chapter 13. Frank has so well illustrated that we cannot deviate from what God has said, from his pattern. But this, this illustrates, brethren, that our influence goes far beyond just, just us. What we do affects others. The old prophet's lack of concern for the way that things were in the kingdom brought the man of God to Judah. Jeroboam didn't cease from his evil ways. All these things come together because of the wickedness of Jeroboam. Let us seek to have a good influence on others. Speak the truth always. Be the example that God wants us to be. If you're here this evening and you have things amiss in your life that you like the prayers of the church, we certainly encourage you to come. If you are not a New Testament Christian, we encourage you to obey the gospel, to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Repent of your sins, confess Jesus as the Son of God, 
Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. Then live a faithful life. God will grant you that home in heaven. If you need to come, will you stand? Come while we stand aside. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a one as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I have done? They groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. But drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Is all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day.